Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all on this lovely, bright, but cold morning. And welcome to those who are joining us online. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us worship God. We sing to his praise and glory. Hymn 124. Hymn 124. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you. You reign in glory, and yet in Jesus Christ you have come to us. 
In your presence the angels cover their faces, yet through the Holy Spirit you dwell among us. Lord God, we thank you for the wonderful news at the heart of our faith. You love us all and want only that which is good for us. Gracious God, you gave Jesus to be our Saviour. We praise you for the new and abundant life we find in him. And we rejoice as we acknowledge his presence with us always. Almighty God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. We confess that often we allow ourselves to be deflected from the way you have set before us. Our vision can be impeded by trivial concerns, and our pride often causes us to ignore your guidance. Lord God, your goodness and mercy is without end. Forgive us for those times when we choose the darkness instead of the light, and illumine our hearts and our minds, that amending our ways, we may turn again to you, the one who gently, yet firmly, sustains us. Gracious God, we thank you for the great privilege of belonging to your worldwide family. Encourage us in our faith, and through the Holy Spirit, deepen our commitment that we may truly love you and gladly serve you all our days. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name, and together as the one people, we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Just a few intimations to draw to your attention. I remind you that the parish halls will be open on a Monday afternoon from 2 to 4, providing a warm space where people can gather and enjoy company and have tea or coffee and a biscuit. All will be most welcome. And please do spread the word about this. That's on a Monday, two to four, in the parish halls. The Bible reading rotor for January through to April is in the vestibule of the church. I'd be grateful if people were willing to read the lesson on a Sunday if they would put their name down on the rotor. Tickets for the Tuesday group Burns Supper on the 24th of January are available and can be purchased today and next Sunday in the McMichael Chapel. I had a phone call yesterday morning from the conductor of Torbrecht's Community Choir asking me to make a wee announcement on behalf of the choir. The choir meets on a Tuesday from 9.45 to 11.45 in Park Church Hall. The conductor says it's a mixed-voice choir singing upbeat music. And prophets raised at the concerts 
um, go to local charities. And say anyone who likes singing will be very welcome to join the choir, particularly men. So, if you like singing, please do go along. And I'm sure there's a great social aspect to the choir and the rehearsals too. At a Tuesday part church hall from 9.45. I've brought something along with me today. I've had it before, and some of you might have one of these at home. Would the children like to come out and have a look at it? Gregor and Rebecca and Cameron, would you like to come out and see this that I have here? Now, have a wee look at it. What do you think it is? A light, a torch. What do you think? A candle. Well, I think you're right because it's called a lamp, and a lamp is like a candle, and a torch, it gives light. But this particular lamp has a name. It was called after the person who invented it. Now, I don't expect you to know the name of the person who invented it because I had to Google it myself. <laughs> Though I knew that it was called a... Anyone in the congregation know what it's called? A Davy lamp. That's right. Now, would you like to guess when... The Davy lamp was invented. Humphrey Davy invented this lamp, named after him, a long, long time ago. Any guesses when it might have been? Do you think a hundred years ago? Maybe about a hundred years. What did the congregation think? Longer than a hundred years? 120. Now, I'm not very good at math. <laughs> are you good at math, Rebecca? And you are too, Cameron. Oh, well. Is that so? Well, I'm hopeless at math. If I say to you, this was invented way back in 1815. So that is well over 200 years, isn't it? So it's a long, long time. Now, can you guess why this was invented? Because there was a particular purpose why this Davy lamp was invented. It was to help certain people. Help Mary and Joseph get around. Help Mary and Joseph get around. Now, that is very good. <laughs> I think they would have been very grateful if they had this. But thankfully, they had a star to guide them, didn't they? <laughs> this was invented to help people who worked underground, miners, those who went away down deep, deep underground to get coal so that we could heat our homes all those years ago. And you see, often the miners, they didn't have this at first, it was a candle an ordinary candle, it made light. But sometimes there were certain gases down the mines. 
and they weren't good. And when the candle would be lit, it would cause, can you imagine what it might have caused if these guys, a problem it certainly did, it certainly did. There would be an explosion, oh, and some of the miners would be hurt, and some sadly died as well. So, Humphrey Davy invented this, and you'll notice that where the flame will be, it's enclosed inside a screen. You see that? So, the flame, you couldn't touch it, and that meant that this was far safer for the miners. I'm sure the miners must have been very glad when this lamp was invented. Light is important, isn't it? Light's very important. If it's dark, what can happen to us? We can bump into stuff. You're right. (laughs) We bump into stuff and sometimes we maybe go against something and, oh, your toe. Very sore, isn't it? So light helps us to see where we're going. But light also does something else. It helps things to grow. If you were to put a wee seed into a dark, dark cupboard and leave it there, it wouldn't grow. But as you know, in the farm, when Dad goes out and puts the seed in the land, through the daylight and the warmth, the seed grows. Without light, absolutely, sun plants too, yes. Without light, life would be pretty bleak, wouldn't it? Now, the Bible speaks about light. We're told in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And Jesus, whose birth we celebrated recently, said, I am the light of the world. Light is a symbol of goodness and of hope. Now, in the passage from the Bible that some of us will be reading shortly, we hear the words of God. He said, You are to be the light to all nations. That means symbols of goodness and hope. And that is what God says to us. Because there's a darkness in the world. And a lot of people don't know about Jesus or his love for us. And it's our task, we who belong to his family, to be symbols of goodness and hope and to spread the light of his love. Well, we do that. It's great to see the three of you today. Do you know that? And I hope you have a super time at the Sunday Club. Okay. Thank you very much. Don't they deserve a round of applause? (laughs) Now we're going to sing the hymn 522. 522, a good going hymn. The church is forever. God's people are praising.
We turn now to the Word of God, to the Old Testament, the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, beginning at verse 1, page 610 in the Pew Bible, 610, Isaiah 49, beginning at verse 1, Israel, a light to the nations. Listen to me, you coasts and islands, pay heed, you peoples far distant. The Lord called me before I was born. He named me from my mother's womb. He made my tongue a sharp sword and hid me under the shelter of his hand. He made me into a polished arrow. In his quiver he concealed me. He said to me, Israel, you are my servant, through whom I shall win glory. Once I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. The Lord has formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him that Israel should be gathered to him so that I might rise to honour in the Lord's sight, and my God might be my strength. And now the Lord has said to me, It is too slight a task for you as my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the survivors of Israel. I shall appoint you a light to the nations, so that my salvation may reach earth's furthest bounds. These are the words of the Holy One, the Lord who redeems Israel, to one who is despised and whom people abhor, the slave of tyrants. Kings will rise when they see you, princes will do homage, because of the Lord who is faithful, because of Israel's Holy One who has chosen you. And the Gospel today comes from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29, page 78 in the Pew Bible. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. There is the Lamb of God, he said, who takes away the sin of the world. He it is of whom I said, After me there comes a man who ranks ahead of me. Before I was born he already was. I did not know who he was, but the reason why I came baptizing in water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John testified again, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven like a dove, and come to rest on him. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize in water had told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and rest is the one who is to baptize in Holy Spirit. I have seen it and have borne witness. This is God's chosen one. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, when Jesus passed by, John looked towards him and said, 
there is the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard what he said, they followed Jesus. He turned and saw them following. What are you looking for? he asked. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he replied. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying and spent the rest of the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. One of the two who followed Jesus after hearing what John said was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and say to him, We have found the Messiah, which is the Hebrew for Christ. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, that is, Peter the Rock. Amen. And may God add his blessing to these readings of his own holy word, to his name be the glory and the praise. We sing the hymn 125, hymn 125, Lord of all being, throned afar.
Let us pray. Lord of all being, you know us better than we know ourselves, yet still you call us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the light of the world. For those times when we lose faith in ourselves as your children forgive us, for those times when we lose faith in you as the source of all life, forgive us. Gracious God, we thank you today for those who first told us about you, for those who have shared your love with us, and for those who showed us the way to the fuller and richer life that is ours through believing in you. And we thank you for those who, like John, pointed us to Jesus, declaring him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Father, for all who have helped and encouraged us in our journey of faith, and for those who help and encourage us still, we praise your holy name. Lord of all life, we pray this day for your world. Where there is darkness, may the light of Christ shine, giving hope, bringing reconciliation, and affirming the worth of all who are made in your image. Gracious God, we pray for our own country at this time of unrest. We remember before you those who face great uncertainty in their work, those who have lost their jobs and who are confronted with a difficult future. Be with them and be with all involved in negotiations at this time to resolve pay disputes. May there be a genuine desire to talk and to reach an agreement, and may goodwill prevail on all sides. Lord of all being, we pray for all who are searching for peace in their lives, those burdened with anxiety either about themselves or a family member, those facing difficulties and problems to which they see no solutions. We pray for those who are frightened, for the lonely, the hurt, and the helpless. And we pray for those who are sick in hospital, hospice, or at home. And we pray for those to whom a sadness has come. In our prayer today, we remember the families and friends of Nettie Cameron, of Nan Carruthers, and Andrew Henderson. We pray for these families and for the families of others whose funerals will take place in these coming days. Be to them and to all in our thoughts a source of comfort and strength. Lord of sea and sky, of snow and rain, of wind and burning flame, we seek your blessing upon your church and all endeavouring to lead others in the way of truth. Help us to believe in you and to believe in ourselves 
because of your belief in us. And guide us now and always with the light of your love. In Jesus' name we humbly ask these things. Amen. We sing another great hymn, hymn 251, 251, I the Lord of Sea and Sky.
I think you like that hymn. <laughs> Excellent singing and playing. Let me ask you, how confident are you about the future? And in particular, about the future of the church and of this church? We are all familiar with the words coined by Bob Dylan, the times, they are a-changing. I don't think anyone can question that with regard to the church and our circumstances at this time. Change is inevitable for reasons shared before. But that should not necessarily be seen in a negative light. Indeed, there's a part of me that believes we should relish the challenge of being the church at this time. But the question is, and it's a big question, are we confident enough to face up to the challenge? Do we have the belief that the one who does not change is with us, and more than that, that he believes in us. God used Isaiah to deliver some very challenging messages, none more so than the one we read earlier. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations. Something new was being said here. Something hugely significant was happening. God's servant would not only reach out to his own people, but to the whole world. God's servant would not only bring light to the children of Israel, but to all nations. The net had been widened. This was breathtaking news. No longer was God's love confined to one people, the Jews. It was for all people, Gentiles as well. And it was Israel's task to make God's love known. I try to imagine how the people of Israel felt as they listened to Isaiah declare this message. Might they have felt disappointed? God's love was no longer uniquely for them and them alone, but for everyone. Might they have felt concerned? By what means could they fulfill this task given to them? And where would it leave them? As I reflected on the people of Israel, I began to wonder if these emotions are similar to what we might be feeling today as we reflect on the position of the church and what the future might hold for us. Disappointed, not that God's love is for all, we celebrate that, 
But disappointed, perhaps, that the church no longer has a unique place it once had in society, and that so many see it as outdated and irrelevant. And concerned. Concerned at the task given to us by Jesus to spread the good news and be the light of the world is quite simply beyond us, with our apparent declining and aging membership. Did you ever watch the program Through the Keyhole? Did you ever watch that? I don't think it's on at present, but I recall watching it a few times, and it could be interesting and fun to watch the presenter go round celebrities' houses with a panel of other celebrities in the studio who would try to guess who the famous home owner was. To see into other people's homes can open our eyes as to what those who live in them are really like and what their tastes are. And sometimes we can be surprised. The program came to my mind when I read the words of Jesus to the two disciples of John who, having heard John say, there is the Lamb of God, followed Jesus and asked him, where are you staying? It was an interesting question to ask, wasn't it? You would have imagined they might have asked something else, tell us more about yourself and what you're about. But it was, tell us where you're staying. I was quite intrigued by that. And what did Jesus say? He said, come and see. Come and see. What an invitation. You know, if somebody says to me, you know, where do you stay? Well, I would tell them, of course, but before I would say, come and see, I would say, right, what state is the man's in? Are there dishes needing washed? Is the carpet needing hoovered? Is there dust that you can write your name? The surface of furniture. But Jesus replied, come and see. And we are told they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the afternoon with him. And it's interesting as well, so specific is John in the gospel. He said they were there till about four o'clock. And that makes me wonder if one of those who went, we know the other was Andrew, if one of them, the other one, was actually John, because he was so specific. And so we're told they went, they saw where Jesus was staying, and they spent the day with him. Jesus invited them into his home at that point, he invited them to come and talk, but perhaps also to come and find what he alone could give and make clear to them. I had a visit from a friend yesterday afternoon, a colleague I studied with over 30 years ago, and we've not met that often over the years, but we've kept in touch with each other, and it was great to see Alistair yesterday afternoon at the manse. We drank a lot of tea, I can tell you, and uh, we ate quite a few biscuits. But I was saying to him what I was going to be preaching about today, 
And I said to him, I'd love to have been one of those two followers. Imagine almost having Jesus to yourself for an afternoon. Oh, I would love that. What questions we would ask and what discoveries we would make. It must have been a most revealing encounter, for we're told something special. Andrew, one of the two, went to find his brother Simon. He couldn't wait, and he declared, We have found the Messiah. What a discovery. There was no doubt. It was a discovery that led to Jesus gathering around him people who would share in his ministry and importantly, who would continue it when Jesus was no longer physically present with them. What a task. A task like that given to Israel. And that task is ours today. And yet, how do we feel about it? I fear we question and doubt our ability to fulfill it. I recall talking to someone who was finding life a real challenge. He had experienced one setback after another. And certain plans had not come to fruition. With the result that his confidence in himself was at an all-time low. I wonder if that's how we can feel sometimes. As we look at society today and its indifference towards the church. And as we consider efforts to reconnect with our communities. Things we have done in the past no longer work the way they once did, if at all. And we lack the confidence, or should I say the belief in ourselves to go forward and do a new thing. If that is how you feel, if it's how I feel, well, here is something to encourage us. To our inadequacies and fears, no matter how well hidden or upfront they may be, the prophet says, Jesus says, God says, I believe in you. Isn't that amazing? I believe in you. Believe in you too by believing in me. What a difference it can make in our lives if we're going through a difficult time or if someone wrongly accuses us of something, or if there's a task we have to do and we just don't feel up to it, we feel totally inadequate, what a difference it can make when someone says, I believe in you. You have my back, my full support. You've known times like that as I have. It can make all the difference. I believe in you. This, to me, is the root of the faith that lights the lamp and causes the flame to burn. It's incredible. 
God believes in us. And if we find this difficult to believe, then think of those whom Jesus chose to be his disciples. The ones who were to teach his ways when he was gone. The ones into whose hands were entrusted the life-saving message he came to deliver. There was nothing extraordinary about them. In fact, they were not even ordinary, as some might understand the term ordinary. Some were outcasts of questionable character to many of the religious people of the day, like Matthew the tax collector. Others were poor. Some were uneducated. A few were fishermen. One was a zealot who wanted to overthrow Rome. And what of the women who wanted to follow Jesus? Some were innocents like Mary and others anxious like Martha. Some had been caught in adultery. At least one had had many husbands, while others had been considered not fit for human company for years. And yet, Jesus entrusted to each one his gospel and he was not disappointed. Yes, some made mistakes. They were human, like us. Some misunderstood his words. Some sought their own glory and honor. Some betrayed him when he needed them most. But through God's power at work in them, and believing the promises of Jesus, they succeeded in their task. I believe in you. God believes in us. We who make up St. Ninian's old parish church, we who are part of the Church of Scotland, we who belong to the worldwide Church of Jesus Christ, we have a task to fulfill. There is a world of darkness out there where we should be burning the lamp of faith and shining brightly. There are all around us in our communities people yearning, though they do not know it, for what we have found. Security and joy, forgiveness, peace and hope. Come and see said Jesus. Is that something that we can say to those we know and those we do not know? Those we work alongside, those we engage with socially, or with whom we pursue leisure activities? At this challenging time for the church, are we going to believe in God's belief in us and make a difference as lights in the world. Andrew did. Peter did. So did James and John and Martha and Mary. And that woman by the well and that latecomer, the uptight Pharisee called Paul. And so did many other people, ordinary and less than ordinary. God believed in them even when they didn't believe in themselves. 
And despite their weaknesses, their failings, their fears, they were as a light to their own people. But there's more. They were as light to others, even to all nations. I have long found comfort in these words. The challenges before us are as nothing when compared to the power that is behind us, the power of God, who brought back from the dead his own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us in that knowledge go forth believing in God's belief in us, and let us be a light to all people. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Now, my mum will not be watching this now because she'll be at her own church in Campbelltown, but I hope you'll allow me to wish her a very happy 80th birthday. She'll be 80 on Tuesday, and I'd hope to be able to go and be with her, but I can't, but we'll be up for that at another time. So a very happy birthday, Mum. Thank you. That will mean a lot to her. Our closing hymn, hymn 511, 511, your hand, O God, has guided.
Go forth as a light to all people and the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell within you this day and even forevermore.